Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Believe in Oakland A's podcast. I'm Ben Ross. Thank you so much for tuning in this week. We got a great guest for you coming up in just a few minutes. Bip Roberts, 12-year MLB veteran, former Oakland A's player, now an Oakland A's analyst for NBC Sports California. He's been around the team for the last several years. And we will break down the season, the offseason, potential free agent moves, where the A's need to improve. And the big breaking news from last night, I'm sure you've heard this by now, Billy Bean looks like he might be leaving the Oakland A's, leaving baseball. Talk about the end of an era if it goes through. This was reported by the Wall Street Journal last night. If Billy Bean's Red Ball Acquisition Corp completes its merger with John Henry's Fenway Sports Group, Bean would likely walk away from the A's and Baseball as well. Looks like Billy Bean might be turning his focus to European soccer. Fenway Sports Group, in addition to owning the Red Sox, also owns Liverpool, one of the top soccer teams in the world. We know Billy Bean has had an interest in European soccer as well as baseball. So if he does leave the A's, that would be something. He's, for the last couple of decades, I mean, this guy's been the face of the Oakland A's. I mean, they wrote a book about him, turned into a movie, Moneyball, where Brad Pitt starred as Billy Bean. So we'll certainly keep an eye on this story. It's not a done deal yet, but it's looking like that merger will happen sometime by the end of the year. And Billy Bean could be leaving the world of baseball. So that kind of ties into our focus for this week's episode, which is looking toward the offseason and looking to the future of this franchise. Obviously a disappointing end to the season. A's losing in four games to the Houston Astros in the American League Division Series. Oakland did take some good steps this year, no question about it, winning their first division title since 2013. They also won their first playoff series since 2006 when they beat the White Sox in three games in the first round. But as we mentioned, a sour taste at the end of the year after that disappointing loss to the Astros at Dodger Stadium. So clearly the A's still have some work to do. They they haven't been able to get over that postseason hump. There are reasons for optimism with a lot of the young talent that they will be bringing back. Obviously the starting pitching, Jesus Lazardo, Chris Bassett who had a breakout year, Frankie Montas hopefully gets back to what he's capable of, Sean Manaya, potentially A.J. Puck. We'll see if he can stay healthy, but... The potential for him is through the roof. A lot of the lineup coming back too, guys like Matt Chapman, who will be back healthy or at least is expected to be back healthy after undergoing the hip surgery that ended his 2020 campaign. Matt Olson at first base, the outfield with Mark Canna, Ramon Laureano, Stephen Piscotti all coming back, Sean Murphy, who had a terrific year behind the plate. And then there's the question of the free agents 10 free agents this year for the A's. A couple of the big ones, Marcus Simeon, Tommy LaStella, and Liam Hendricks. Which of those guys return? I don't have to tell you, A's ownership notorious for being cheap and letting some of their better players go. They can't allow Marcus Simeon to go. I'm just going to say it right now. This guy 
is everything you want in a baseball player. Terrific shortstop, works hard, great on the field, great off the field. He's a leader. He's a, a local guy from the Bay Area, only 30 years old. They got to find a way to keep Marcus Simeon. Otherwise, I just I don't see how you can tell A's fans to support the team if you're going to let, let a guy like that go. So we'll get into all that with Bip Roberts in just a moment. But first, I want to remind you about betonline.ag. With football back, you might not be at the game this year, but you can still be in on the action at BetOnline. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than any place online. And there's always the online casino as well. It never closes. Taking a look at some of the baseball odds heading into the championship series, the Dodgers were the World Series favorites at plus 150. Rays came in at plus 240, although they now will have better odds with their 2-0 series lead on the Astros, who came in at plus 375, and the Braves at plus 450. So head to betonline.ag today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Again, that's betonline.ag and sign up today. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Well, our guest this week is a 12-year MLB veteran, batted 294 during his career, and was an all-star in 1992, spent the 1998 season as a member of the Oakland A's, and now an A's analyst for NBC Sports California. We're so pleased to welcome Bip Roberts to the Believe in Oakland A's podcast. Bip, thanks for coming on. How are you doing? Thanks for having me, Ben. Uh, I'm doing okay. You know, I can't complain. Uh, I'm healthy. I have a roof over my head. I eat good. Uh, the only thing is I don't get to see a lot of people. And uh, because we had that 60-season season, we weren't able to go to the Coliseum and greet the fans. So those are things I was used to doing for the last 20 years when it comes to seeing the fans and enjoying baseball. That was cut out this year. But above all, I'm above ground and I'm healthy. Hey, man, I'm with you. I, I hope by next year we're able to have fans back at the Coliseum. This year, I mean, I'm glad we were able to have baseball at all, but it, it was kind of a bummer just having to – to cover it from afar. Those games were weird. So uh, obviously uh, a disappointing season, or I should say a disappointing ending to the season for the A's. Uh, they did some good things winning the division. That's their first division title since 2013. They got out of the first round. They beat the White Sox, but then kind of fell apart uh, against the Astros in four games in the ALDS. How do you evaluate the season big picture for the A's? Well, just 2020 has just been so weird. And, and then, you know, we're used to playing 162 and it just tied 163 games. This year we played 60, basically a third of the season. So you had to get out the gates quickly. And as baseball players, it usually takes a while to get rolling. And we saw that happen with Houston later on in the playoffs. But I think the A's did what they had to do this year. They found a way, even though they, was, they weren't a high average hitting team, they found ways to win using the starting pitches to get to the fifth inning, bringing their bullpen in, getting the Liam Hendricks towards the end, and he's shutting down the opposing team. So they did what they had to do. Defense was outstanding again. We lost Chappie this year, but we were still able to, to clinch the West, something that they've been trying to do for a few years where Houston's had a hold of it. But this year they were able to, because Houston had a lot of injuries, and, and you know, Verlander was down, Gary Cole was over with the Yankees, so their pitching was down. Dusty Baker had to figure out a way to uplift his team, develop players along, as we call, doing on-the-job training. And he did a great job over there. But the A's were strong enough this year based on the past uh, 
having good seasons, growing as a team, getting better each year. This year, they were able to pull it all together, win the West. And this year, I mean, you know, you got to give every team credit for at least showing up this year. So I didn't hold it against the leagues playing 60 games because none of us has ever done it before. But I, I thought it was fantastic just to have baseball. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of with you on that. It, it was really weird all year long. I mean, not just the, the 60 games, but I mean, what, the, the seven-inning double headers, uh, the, the weird extra inning rule. It, it's definitely been a season unlike any other, but I, I agree with you. I'm, I'm just glad we were able to have some version of baseball. Uh, it's been such a rough year in so many ways, you know, beyond sports, that it was nice to have uh, a, little, a little bit of baseball. Um, well, I, I don't want to talk too much about the Astros series just because I think by now A's fans are probably sick of hearing about it. It, it got a little bit ugly, you know, it, just a, a weird series all around with all the home runs. I mean, a, a record setting series with all the home runs and the ball flying out of Dodger stadium. I kind of want to talk a little bit more just about the A's and the off season and some of the areas where maybe they need to improve and, and some of the, the decisions that they're going to have to make. But, you know, first of all, we're taping this on Monday night and, and the big news that just is coming down right now. Uh, it looks like there's a, a good chance that Billy Bean might actually be leaving baseball, leaving his job with the A's as, as executive vice president. You know, he's been with the A's for so long. He's been, really the face of the organization. I mean, when you think about Moneyball, the, the book, and then the movie with Brad Pitt, um, he's a guy who is obviously synonymous with the Oakland A's. And it looks like, you know, there's, there's a merger in place that, you know, I'm not going to go through all the details, but he would join with John Henry uh, of Fenway Sports. We know the Red Sox went after him years ago. Now, this would not be uh, to, to have a role with the Red Sox per se, but maybe uh, even in European soccer um, where, you know, Fenway sports also owns Liverpool. And that's an area where, where Billy Bean has had some interest, but long story short, it's not a done deal yet, but it's looking like very likely at this point that Billy Bean, uh, his time with the A's could be coming to an end. So what I, what I'd like to get from you is, what does this mean for the A's organization? I mean, this, as I said, this is a guy who's been synonymous with A's baseball for, for decades. Um, if he were to leave the Oakland A's, what do you see that meaning to the organization? Well, wow. First of all, this is brand new breaking news. That's not something that I had heard of until you and I began this conversation here. Yeah. And it's shocking, but it's not shocking because we know 2020 has been weird. Things have happening. People are here, people are gone, people are moving all over the place right now. And for Billy Bean to be in a situation like that, where he can now work with John Henry, a multi-billionaire, and go over into European soccer, that's huge for Billy Bean. That's a, that's a great move for him when it comes to moving up the scale, because he's scaling himself up, and European soccer is huge. And so he would fit right in there, being a business mind, understanding analytics, and talented, what, what a talented athlete looks like. I mean, he would fit right in there. But now when you start thinking about what does that do for the Oakland A's, well, the era of Moneyball would be ended. That would be the end of Moneyball. And I, and I think they have some guys in the organization, David Forrest, and, and I'm sure they're going to look for some people this winter to come in and, and maybe change the, the way the organization looks from the inside out. So I, I think that when you have a run such as Billy Bean had and the way Moneyball and analytics was able to catapult the team to be able to compete every year. I think that, you know, now where the team understands how to compete, now you want to find a way to get past the first rounds in the playoffs and, and move 
further in the playoffs to maybe get to the World Series and find a way to win. So, you know, great ideas and great people come and great people go. And so I believe that right now the organization has to kind of huddle up, decide which direction it wants to go, what type of people you want to bring in, and then have a model and say, okay, this is what we're going to do to get better. We're going to sign our free agents, great. If we're going to go out look for Rule 5 guys, great. If we're going to go down to Latin America looking for players, great. But now you have an opening where you can start to do different things, where it was a certain model that was used with the Moneyball era. A new era comes in, different ideas, different changes. Yeah, no, and you made some good points there. And, and, and you did reference David Forrest, who uh, is the general manager, and he's been there for a while, too. So it's not like they don't have people in the organization that that can kind of fill the void, but it, it boy, it, it would be uh, just very different. And as you said, sort of the end of an era. Um, I'm just curious, you know, when you look at the A's and it's no secret that, that this is a team that's been toward the bottom of the league in payroll for years, you know, uh, John Fisher owns the team. He, he sets his budget and the A's kind of have to work with the limitations that they have financially. Um, I just wonder, is that, a recipe for success. Do you think that because we've seen this team have success in the regular season, but they've been unable to get over the top in the postseason? At last, at least you know for the last thirty years or, or whatever it's been uh, since they've since they've won the World Series. Do you think that that this can work? That they can that they can actually achieve postseason success without spending a little bit more money? Well, Ben, I tell you, when you look around and you look at every team that's successful. They spend money and then they spend money on quality players who they know are going to deliver. It's just a certain type of player. When you spend money, you know what you're going to get. Where when you, 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 you're experimenting and you're not paying out a lot of money, you're going to get what you invest in, basically. And so when teams invest in their players, they're going to get a higher, what I would say, a higher goal that's set and reached. And, and I think that when you talk about what's happening with the Oakland A's and how do you get to that point, first thing we have to do is get that new stadium. Yeah. Because now when you bring in revenue, you can get a certain type of ball, a ball player now. It's no longer a money ball type player or analytic type player. It's the best player that you can get for whatever the money may cost. And money should not be an issue once you get this new stadium. And You know, I understand when, you, when we're playing at the Coliseum and we got some of the greatest fans in the world, we just don't fill the stadium up. And so the revenues are not coming, as they would say, not flowing like you want it to flow so you can bring in these type of players. But I think that once that stadium is built and all of a sudden now you have a reclamation of everything that's going on within the community and the projects and everything and everything's directed towards the Oakland A's and what they're doing at the, at the ballpark, you're going to get those fans out there. And when you get fans out there who are willing to support this team, then you're going to get the revenue that you need to bring in teams that can win. And every team that you see that can win right now has a certain type of player, pitching, starting pitcher. They have maybe one, two, three, four aces on that team, and those guys are making good money. Great bullpen at the end. And they have players around on that field who are making a lot of money but are, you know, top 10% in the league that, that could actually play. And so you're paying for what you get. And that's how we always look at it. No matter where you go, we see a lot of different stores out there in this world. But when you go and you go into Gucci's and you go into uh, Versace's and you're going to, you're paying for quality. And so you're going to pay a little bit more to get that quality. So 
right now, I, I think it just really depends on how soon we can get this stadium up. Because we got some great free agents, and I don't want to lose them all this year. Yeah, well, and that kind of leads me to my next question, because this team, it feels like they're close. You know, they've been to the playoffs three years in a row, and that's a great accomplishment in baseball. You know, winning 97 games each of the last two years, and they were on pace to win 97 games again this year if it were a full season. So, I mean, they're close. They've got a lot of good young talent, both on offense and um, pitching-wise. I'm just kind of curious your thoughts on where you think they need to improve because the offense was actually pretty good in that Astros series. And it, they had a bit of a down year at the plate. It felt like this season that some guys struggled um, and, you know, we know they've had problems with strikeouts and they often rely on the, on the long ball a little bit too much, but they were producing runs in that Houston series. It was more the starting pitching and even the bullpen that let them down. What do you pinpoint as where you see the A's needing to improve if they're going to take that next step? Well, you know, we talk about the facets of the game. There's three different facets. There's pitching, defense, and hitting. Now, on hitting, I thought this year, we didn't do a very good job of hitting with runners in scoring position. Yeah. They were either feast or famine, home run or strikeout. And in certain situations, you have to get the job done. If there's a man on second base with no outs, we got to find a way to get him over and get him in. We didn't do a good job of that. There were times where... When I was covering games this year, we'd be one for 10, one for 12, two for 14 with runners in scoring position. And you can't win that way in the playoffs. You have to find a way to get those guys in with the base hit, no matter how you get the base hit. When you look at certain teams right now, they have guys who are RBI guys. And these guys, they find a way to get the guys in. They, it's just something, it's a knack that they have when you're an RBI guy, you find a way to get them in. We have to find that. We have to find guys who, with runners in scoring position, can hit for a higher average because they want to be in that situation. And then when you look at some of the other things, well, our pitching was great all season. But maybe we didn't have a number one ace like most teams or a number two second ace, but those guys competed. And I think when you get into the playoffs, you need to have those aces, you know, and you need to have those guys followed by guys who have experience and understand how the playoffs work. Things are totally different in the playoffs than a regular season. Things are magnified. You don't get days off. Guys are tired based on performing every day, both emotionally and physically. And so you get worn out. But it takes veterans to understand and help you get through that. How do we get through the playoffs without getting mentally fatigued? And that's something you need in the bullpen or in the pitching staff. You need that one, two starter. And then you need guys who have experience that can help you get through this, this situation because without good pitching and defense, you're not going to win games. And, and I thought our defense was spectacular this year. And we lost Chapman early and, you know, it was just one of those things where when you're so athletic and you make certain type of plays, you can get hurt, especially when you make a play, dive into your left, get up and you spin and you're spinning on spikes. Remember that you're spinning on spikes. Sometimes they catch and that's how you can hurt your hip. But because he's a tough kid, he probably tried to play through it. And so when he makes that play again, boom, you know, the injury uh, comes, comes about. But I just think that if we can find ways, when you look at all three facets of the game, we can win in the playoffs. But it's a matter of not just playing long ball. It's a matter of playing little ball at times when you need little ball. And I think right now we have to find a better way as far as putting the ball in play, having a different approach according to the situation, and then executing it. You know, sometimes I think, 
the pitchers can force you to do certain things, but as a hitter, you have to impose your will and get the job done the way you're supposed to get it done and vice versa with our pitchers. We can't get in the habit of you know, getting what we call, I, I know what he's about to throw. You know, you have to mix it up at times because mm -hmm. these guys have seen you so many times, they're aware of what you throw. And then the only way you can get them out is to get them off balance and, and make them miss or pitch the contact. But you're not going to fool many guys. Not guys when you get to that playoff level. They're locked in. So you got to get them off balance by changing speeds and hitting your spots. And when you miss spots, we saw in the playoffs, when they miss spots in the playoffs, they would hit hard. And the ball was jumping out of L.A. and we saw the damage that Houston did. Yeah. Um, and our defense was solid. Yeah, you know, we made a few errors, but yeah, still, you still have to score runs to win games. So sometimes you got to be able to overcome the mistakes that are made. Yeah, well, and when you talk about defense, like you said, losing Matt Chapman, I think that hurts. It hurts in the lineup, but especially defensively. That guy, he could probably cover the entire left side of the infield by himself. He's <laughs> so athletic and quick. And I, I, the good news is it sounds like he will be uh, back. They're expecting him back at 100% uh, for the start of spring training next year. So that is, that is the silver lining out of it. Uh, but you referenced some of the free agents and there are some big time free agents this year that the A's are going to have to make decisions on. I'll just quickly go through the list, starting with the hitters, Marcus Simeon, uh, Robbie Grossman, Tommy LaStella, Jake Lamb. And then you look at the pitchers and, and no one bigger than Liam Hendricks, the closer, but also uh, Yusmero Petit, Joaquin Soria, Mike Miner, Michael Fires, TJ McFarland, I mean, they've got some decisions to make, and I want to start right with the first guy I mentioned, Marcus Simeon, who has really become one of the best shortstops in the game. Uh, only 30 years old, so it's not like he's an old guy. He, he should still be right in his prime. A little bit of a down year this year, but he hit pretty darn, pretty darn well in the postseason. What is your gut thought? Do you think that they'll be able to keep Marcus Simeon? Well, I'm really hoping so. I know that in baseball now, when a guy hits 30, you start to feel like he's starting to get older, which I don't really understand that part of it. I think, as you just said, you're in your prime when you get 30. And Marcus has been relatively healthy. He's a guy that takes the post every game. And so, you know, I, I can see where we don't want to give Marcus maybe a seven-year deal because he'd be 37, which to me is he still would be able to get out there and play. Shortstop, we'll have to wait and see. But the way he takes care of himself, he's always ready to play. And Marcus has really become a leader on that team. And he, he's become a leader based on his work ethic and how steady he is mentally and physically. And then I think the guys look to Marcus as that guy. Marcus is that guy on this team. And playing shortstop, he's the captain of the field. And that's the guy you need to line up every day. The guy that's the leader, the guy that's the that's going to show you each and every day the effort we need to win and constantly encouraging his teammates to do better. And, and I think that's something that weighs a lot when you're in the clubhouse and you can't, you can't just all of a sudden point at someone and say, you're the leader. It doesn't work like that. The leader is all of a sudden grown and he's formed and now he is, and that's who Marcus is. And then you start talking about the physical abilities that he can bring to the table. He's a leadoff guy. I'd like to see him more, run more because he's fast. Maybe still some more bases, but he plays shortstop. So I digress a little bit. He's got to be able to keep his legs to play shortstop. But he hits for power. He knows how to use the entire field. 
I think there was a situation where, you know, these guys sometimes play with injuries and they go up there to the plate and, and they're favoring that injury. And now you start to develop some bad habits. Well, I'm sure he'll be 100% healthy as we saw in the playoffs, what he's capable of doing when the bright lights come on. He's, he's, he's that type of impact player. Those are the type of players that the A's need to keep. So whether you give Marcus right now a four or five year contract, I think he's going to live up to that. And I think that's the beginning of showing A's fans that we want to have a competitive team. We're going to keep our competitive players, the players that you've fallen in love with. We're going to keep these guys around. So I'd like to see Marcus stay around. Yeah, that's 100% how I feel. I mean, if you're not going to keep a guy like that, how can you tell A's fans to keep supporting the team? You know, like he's a guy who, you know, in the postseason press conference, uh, listening to David Force talk about him, listening to Bob Melvin uh, and Billy Bean talk about Marcus Simeon and everything you just said, both on and off the field. He's an all-around great player. He's a leader on the team. He's a local guy. He, you know, he's from the Bay Area. Uh, he does great work in the community. Everybody seems to love him. And again, he's 30 years old and, and he seems to just keep getting better every offseason. So to me, you got to find a way to keep him. If you can't keep a Marcus Simeon, I don't know how you, uh, how you can look A's fans in the eye and say, support this team because he's the exact kind of guy you want on your squad. Um, and now, you know, it, it is interesting because they do have a couple of options. You, you mentioned, you know, potentially they could give him a four or a five year deal. And, and maybe the fact that he had a little bit of a down year this year actually ends up helping them in terms of keeping the, his cost a little bit lower than what, what it might've been. This is a guy who finished third in the MVP voting uh, after 2019. So he's, he's a, he's an all-star potential type shortstop. Uh, if they don't end up signing him to that four or five year extension, they also could offer him the qualifying offer, which I think this year is around $18 million, uh, which is a lot, but it's only for one year. And when you consider, I think Marcus made around 13 million last year, it's, it's not that much more. Uh, so they do have options and, and I'm with you. I think he's the kind of guy you need to keep, you know, another guy who obviously hasn't been around as long as Marcus Simeon with the A's, but was really impressive since he came over was Tommy LaStella. And, you know, at, at the time, maybe they were thinking he was just a, a rental uh, to, to play second base and, and kind of give them a good contact hitter at the top of the lineup. But it seems like he turned out to be an even better fit than, than I had imagined. I mean, wh what do you think about bringing back Tommy LaStella? Well, I like his bat. I mean, you know, and he's a very adequate second baseman. He's going to make the routine play. He may not make the great plays. I have the greatest range. But again, here's a guy, because of his swing and the way he swings the bat at the plate, he's capable of performing in the playoffs. See, we have to get past what happens in the season because that has no bearing on how you're going to play in the playoffs. You know, what you're capable of doing as far as how your swing is set up will dictate what you do in the playoffs because you're going to face the best pitching. And he has a real short to the baseball swing. He hits from the back of the zone to the front of the zone. He's been taught very well at a great approach at the plate. So he's going to constantly hit the ball hard somewhere. You need nine of those guys in your lineup to win. So he's hit from the left side of the plate. Most of the time you face a lot of righties, but he doesn't bail against left-handers. Because again, if he bailed against left-handers, he wouldn't be in the lineup every day. And so he's that type of guy. 
he and Chad Pender did very well filling in. Chad, I mean, well, you know, Estella played second. Chad had to fill in at third. Lamb, but these guys did a great job doing what they had to do. But getting back to Lestella, this guy can hit you 300. You know, and the A's haven't had 300 hitter in a long time. And so when you have that potential to go along with Marcus Simeon, you got to find a way within your payroll to get these two guys signed. It's not going to be easy because there are going to be other teams trying to get these guys understanding what Lestella could do in second and certain lineups with speed at the top. And Marcus Simeon, you know, he's the type of guy that I'm sure that guys like, who knows what team could be looking for a guy like Marcus Simeon. When you look around the league, there's a lot of great shortstops. Marcus seems to fit well here at home, and Lestella seems to fit well behind Marcus. So I'd like to see those two go one-two, because when you can start a, a game off with a great one-hitter and a great two-hitter, you put so much pressure on the pitcher. You know, I played with, I played with Roberto Alomar. I led off, and Roberto Alomar was second, and we drove pitchers crazy. Yeah, we drove pitchers crazy. And so you have to have a good combination of table setters, but guys who, when the lineup turns over, can drive in runs. And those are two guys right there at the top. They fit the bill. I completely agree. You're right. I mean, those are those guys are basically the one and two hitters right now for the A's. And and to lose either one of them, I think would hurt Simeon. I think you got to keep Listella. He seems like he would like to come back, too. I think he enjoyed his time in Oakland and and hopefully they can work something out. Uh, in the bullpen, I think we're going to see some losses. Uh, you know, I love Liam Hendricks, and I would love him to come back. But I, I just think with how well he performed the last two years, with how hard he throws, with with how many innings he can work, I think we're going to see some teams throw big-time money at him uh, that the A's may choose not to match. Um, other guys that I mentioned, Joaquin Soria, Nismero Petit, both getting up there a little bit in age. Maybe if if the money is right, they come back. But Here's what I want to ask you about the bullpen. When, when you look at guys like Soria and Petit, they, they have success in the regular season. It feels like in the playoffs, you need guys with velocity. You know, I mean, those guys are good at what they do. They can work the zone. They've got good command. They, they try and fool hitters. But it feels like in the playoffs, it's velocity out of that bullpen that plays. What do you think? Oh, absolutely. When you look at the teams in the playoffs right now, they have guys, and you can see the teams that are going to continue to go forward. Look at the Dodgers. You look at Tampa Bay. They have guys in that bullpen who come in and throw 98 miles an hour. And you have to have that. And I just think that, you know, in baseball, the bullpen is always reshuffled. Every year you'll see it reshuffled. Teams like the Dodgers have a lot of money. So like you said, Liam, they're going to throw him a lot of money. And in this game, you can't leave money on the table. You have to take the deals that's going to take you and scale you up to the level you should be on. And Liam is going to get a lot of offers out there. And then when you look at the rest of the bullpen, a lot of these guys are coming from other teams. They've been with a lot of teams. They fill great roles with other teams. But in this situation, we need to find guys who can take us to the next level, who have that extreme velocity. Because when we watched in the playoffs, some of these guys, when they get tired, they lose their velocity and the fastball straighten out. And if they can't get their breaking balls over, teams will eliminate pitches, sit on their fastball, and then drive them hard in the gaps, or maybe even drive them out the yard. Houston did a great job of that. So, you know, where bullpens are constantly being reshuffled, you have to find guys who can come in and fit that bill of hard thrower, stamina, the ability to pitch day in and day out, like Liam. Liam is just a, 
sometimes, you know, diamonds in the rough are hard to find. Yeah. And he's been just a bull out there. I just love his mental attitude, his mental makeup, and the physicalities that he shows out there. He's not afraid. He grew into that role. So sometimes you need guys who may be raw and can continue to grow because they haven't fulfilled their, their, their development process yet. And if so, now you got something because you know that these guys are going to continue to get better. They're not veteran guys who've already reached their peak. And so that's something that has to be done and talked about. And, and, and a formula has to be formatted to where you can find some guys like that. There are guys out there. There's many guys right now. For some reason now, guys throw 95 to 100 miles an hour. If the A's do their, their due diligence, they can find those guys. Absolutely. Well, and then, and then finally, I want to get to the starting pitching where, you know, they, they obviously struggled in the Houston series and really in the postseason in general, but I'm still pretty optimistic about the group just because of the talent and the youth. I mean, you look at a Jesus Lazardo. I know that he, he was a little bit up and down, but you have to remember he's a rookie, you know, he's in his early twenties. His stuff is nasty. Uh, I, I think that as long as he can stay healthy, he's going to be a top flight starting pitcher. Chris Bassett was, a, a, I thought, a really pleasant surprise. Not, not that he was that he couldn't be good, but the fact that he kind of has become another number one or two capable starting pitcher. Um, you look at Frankie Montas. I know that he kind of struggled for a lot of the year, but I still think that just with his velocity and if he can get that splitter working again, he's another guy who could be a dominant starting pitcher. AJ Puck, can he be healthy? Uh, you know, six seven hard throwing lefty. The stuff is undeniable, but he's dealt with injuries. Hopefully he can stay healthy. Uh, it, it just feels like the A's do have a lot of good young arms. And I feel like starting pitching has maybe been the area that, that they've really lacked uh, or really since the big three. I mean, since Zito Mulder Hudson, they haven't had great starting pitching. How do you feel about that group that I mentioned? And uh, do you think that they can kind of, take this A's team to another level? Well, let's start with the young rookie, with Jesus Lazaro. I, I think he's learned a lot this year because he wasn't facing AAA guys, Riley guys. He was facing the best. He's at the top level, and he's facing major league hitters. Major league hitters make adjustments according to you, and you have to make adjustments according to them. The one thing you can't do is get predictable. And I think at times he was out there and he was predictable. Anytime he started to get hit hard, the team knew what he was throwing. Mm -hmm. So he's got to come learn to play the cat and mouse game with these hitters. Understand, okay, the first time through, I use fastball. Second time through, I'm going to use slider first pitch. Third time through, I'm going to use changeup throw. You've got to play cat and mouse. You can't just try to throw balls by people up on this level because they will set you up, sit on a pitch, eliminate the others, and when they get it, they're not going to miss it. When he learns that, to use both sides of the plate, maybe pitch harder inside when he needs to, to set up the outside part of the plate. Because if you don't pitch inside, guys will still dive across the plate and they'll be able to foul balls off. Now they get something they can handle and they'll hit the ball hard. But he's got outstanding stuff. He's got a great mentality. He's a go-getter. He's a guy that's gonna fight while he's out there. You know, what happens this year? It's learning on the job. You've got to learn and be able to make adjustments. I heard him against the Padres say, those guys made adjustments against me and I didn't make the adjustments. So it tells me that he's very smart and will understand. He's got to be his own scout out there on the mound and understand how to make adjustments. You know, with Bassett, I've always kidded. Bassett has stuff to throw a no-hitter. Yeah. He really does. 
And I think he's starting to grow mentally to understand that. Because physically, he has the tools. But again, it takes you a little while to understand mentally what you have to do to every hitter. Not just every other hitter or who, but every hitter through that lineup one, two, three, four times through. You've got to mentally be on the same page with your catcher and always making adjustments according to that hitter coming up the next time. And then when you look at who's behind these guys, you know, now you talk about Fires and see Fires is a veteran guy and, you know, he's been around and, you know, he just tries to hit his spots. And if he doesn't hit his spots and he's right down the middle and he doesn't hit his spots, they hit him hard. And things like that. Sean Manaya, Sean Manaya to me is a great pitcher. He has this ability to make people miss and he make people chase pitches that they don't want to chase after. Now, early in the season, I think, you know, because you had that start and stop, start and stop. Mentally, that's tough on anyone. I, I don't care who it is, especially in sports. You can't start, stop, start, stop, and then expect to get out there and be mentally sharp. I thought he really grew into that this season. And you could see the difference in his body language as he started to develop his confidence. John Manaya is going to be a tremendous pitcher. You know, he just has to continue to work hard to keep his body in physical great shape to go out and compete. And, and I think he's going to be one of those guys that down the line, you're going to say, he finally figured it out. And it's all physical. Mentally, he's going to be there. I, I saw the change in him from the beginning to the end. You know, there's just times when you can't be predictable. When you're predictable, and these are very smart hitters sitting on the bench with analytics and who knows what else is on the bench telling them what you're throwing. You've got <laughs> to make adjustments the entire game. So, again, these are young kids still mentally trying to figure it out with great stuff. So when the physical catches up with the mental, they're going to be on point. That's what I believe. That's phenomenal insight. We uh, appreciate that. Um, and thanks again for coming on the podcast. Real quick, before I let you go, want to get your, uh, your predictions here for these, for these championship series and the World Series. So as we're, again, as we're taping right now on Monday night, uh, the Rays leading Houston two games to none in the American League. National League just getting underway, Dodgers and Braves. Who do you like in each series? And then who do you like to uh, win the World Series this year? Well, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of cheating here. Tampa Bay's up to nothing. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I like what I see with Tampa Bay. They are sleeper. I was hoping the A's didn't play them because they play the A's tough. That's a good That's a team. Good team. They're know, legit. Yeah. And, and my favorite player in baseball is Mookie Wilson. I mean, Mookie, Mookie Betts. So yeah. I, I want to see Mookie get to another championship. The Dodgers have a great team. I've watched a few Dodger games. I used to go and watch Dodger games when we could go as fans. So I'm going to root for them. And I know I may upset some people, but hey, I'm just watching baseball and I'm just telling you what I see. Atlanta's a great team. I root for Ron Washington because I love those. Uh, Al Al Alcunia is one of my favorite players as well. But I yeah. like Mookie. I like what Mookie stands for. And I'm just going to go with the Dodgers and Tampa Bay get to the World Series. And then we'll, we'll go from there. I, I think the Dodgers this year, they have something to prove based on what happened against Houston. I think they're going to be the team that finally gets there, gets that World Series. Yep, the Dodgers are currently, well, they've been the favorites all year. As you said, they've been close a number of times, and maybe Mookie Betts is that missing piece that takes them to another level. I agree with you, man. Mookie Betts, if you don't like Mookie Betts, you don't like baseball. That guy, <laughs> that guy is fun to watch. He and, and he's a great dude off the field, too. So right. easy, easy guy to root for. Yes, sir. 
All right. Well, Bip, thank you so much for coming on the Believe in Oakland A's podcast. It was great catching up with you and uh, enjoy the rest of the playoffs. And we look forward to seeing you again, hopefully next year uh, on NBC Sports California. Ben, thanks for having me, man. I enjoyed myself. Thank you. Great stuff from Bip Roberts, who, as we mentioned, does a terrific job at NBC Sports California as an analyst, played 12 years in the big leagues, was an all-star in 1992, a career 294 hitter. That guy could get it done with the bat. And back in his heyday, pretty phenomenal speed as well. Stole 264 bases throughout his career. We appreciate Bib coming on the podcast this week. And we thank you once again for tuning in to the Believe in Oakland Days podcast. Make sure you download and subscribe wherever you get your pods. We'll be coming at you next Tuesday with a brand new episode. Boy, this is going to be an interesting offseason. A lot of questions for the A's. Obviously, you got all the free agents. Now the Billy Bean news we're going to have to keep an eye on and what it's going to mean for the organization at the top. Lots of questions to be answered. We'll be here with you with a new episode every Tuesday. So we hope that you continue to tune in. Thanks for listening to the Believe in A's podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. Spring? Is that you? Warmer temps mean new Allbirds styles. Meet the Super Light Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. These must-have travel shoes have a lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit that made them the most packable shoes ever. Plus, they're comfy right out of the box. That means more comfort and less baggage. Experience how Allbirds is redefining comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot code SUPER24. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.